All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis. Live every weekday at noon Eastern. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome into the Daily Faceoff Show. Today is Friday, February 25th. Happy Friday to Scott Burnside. How you doing, pal? I'm doing very well. It's, uh, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. Uh, lots to get to. Let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and let's dive in with some hockey talk because... Speaking of the clock, we kind of assume that the clock out on the rest of the Eastern Conference kind of early this season, thinking that the eight playoff teams are locked in. And my question to you is, after the Florida Panthers were absolutely pulverized by the Columbus Blue Jackets on Thursday night by a 6-3 margin, have we called the race too soon in the East? Is there a chance that the Blue Jackets can wiggle their way into one of the last playoff spots? Well, I'm an old news guy, and I remember being in newsrooms on election night and watching the television and wondering if, you know, people, when you call the election, boy, you, you want to be right, right? You don't have to recreate the headline. And I, I don't think we're in that kind of position yet here in the Eastern Conference, but boy, we've been saying for a long time that it's done. I remember asking players at uh, All-Star in Vegas, you know, what's it like to not have to play for a playoff spot if you're Tampa or whatever? And uh, I, I think I think there's a very slim chance that Columbus can get back into it. Um, and part of that's their real strong play, even though they've got some goaltending health issues. Uh, they continue to play exceptionally well for Brad Larson. Patrick Liney is absolutely on fire. And, and part of it also is, 
listen, Washington has really come back to earth and uh, they look adrift. And I know they were coming off a week long break, uh, but looked very lifeless in a loss last night against the New York Rangers. There are questions about their goaltending moving forward. Um, right now, 10 points separates Columbus and Washington. Columbus is two games in hand. Um, I'm still saying the top eight are the top eight in the East, but I think Columbus can make it interesting. And I think both Washington and Boston are more vulnerable now than they were, say, a month ago. And who, who doesn't want some drama in the Eastern Conference? I think it's good. Drama, chaos, sign me up. I mean, you're taking a look at the numbers here. This is the Washington Capitals and their stats since November 30th. Alex Ovechkin, 13 goals in 29 games, a 14, 13, and 4 record. Um, they're a team that, although they've really played mediocre, basically 500 hockey since U.S. Thanksgiving, the NHL's point system is so difficult to make up ground once you've got a lead. As poorly as they've played, they're still on track to finish with exactly 100 points this season at a 613 points clip. And you look at the Columbus Blue Jackets, they're on pace for 88, 89 in that range. That's a lot of ground to make up over a short period of time. I'm with you in thinking that these eight uh, are still relatively safe and the Washington Capitals led by the great eight. It feels like they're kind of one Ovechkin blitz again from uh, really going on a, a tear and, and certainly getting back to where they were. So um, speaking of uh, goal scorers, how about Austin Matthews and the tear that he's been on of late? Um, you see him scoring two on Thursday night, uh, helping the Toronto Maple Leafs to a win. And he now has 77 goals in his last 100 games played. You look at these marks since the start of the 2020-21 season, Matthews has 11 more than Leon Draisaitl. So Scott, I don't think the question is fair to ask you as to who you think the Rocket Richard winner is going to be, although it, it seemingly will come down to health. If Matthews can stay healthy, he's on the right track. The question is, has Austin Matthews brought himself into the Hart Trophy conversation? And if so, where would you have him on your ballot at this point? Yeah, I, Frank, it's a great question. And, and, and it's been really fun to watch Austin Matthews evolve in the fishbowl that is Toronto, right? I mean, and having covered that team for a couple of years, it, you know, everything's sometimes not um, in the real sphere, right? Players are never as bad as fans and media in Toronto think they are. And maybe sometimes they're never as good as, uh, as fans and media think they are when they're on a heater like Austin Matthews has been for some time. Uh, what has been impressive to me has been his complete game. He's a guy now um, that Sheldon Keefe can throw out in any situation. He's a 200-foot player. I hate that cliche, but he is that now. Plays on both sides of the puck um, like you want your leader to play. And as for the Hart Trophy, he's you know he's definitely in my top three. I, I still love the, the work that Jonathan Huberdeau's done in Florida. Um, but Austin Matthews is in my top three right now if I'm voting today. And I just think he's become the kind of leader that that team, as it's built right now, really desperately needs. Now, I'm curious what you make of that, because here we are in you know, late February. We're getting ready for March. Does it mean anything at this stage if, if Austin Matthews is doing what he's doing right now? 
Well, he always seems to show up and you mentioned the 200 foot part of it. And, you know, you watch the way that he picked that pocket at the blue line and just turned around, found a way to get himself on sides and heads in for that goal last night. And you're saying, wow, that's really something special. But I think for me, and it, when it comes to Austin Matthews, and it's really just kind of the cloak that hangs over, not him, but the entire Maple Leafs group is it doesn't really matter what happens in the regular season. The Hart Trophy would be great, but you need to win when it comes to the Stanley Cup playoffs, and you need to answer for the idea, just as Mitch Marner has to and, and others on the Toronto Maple Leafs, that Austin Matthews still, uh, for as great of a goal scorer as he is, has three goals in his last 12 Stanley Cup playoff games. That's really going to be the true mark and measure of Austin Matthews. I I'm of the belief that at some point the Toronto Maple Leafs are just going to get over the hump and and they're going to be like the Washington Capitals or they're going to be like the St. Louis Blues that had so many good teams for so long that they just happened to win a round or two along the way that took some of the heat off, which has made it feel different. And because of the fishbowl that exists in Toronto, I think they're too good not to. And I truly believe that Austin Matthews is among uh, some of those greats uh, that have ever played for the Toronto Maple Leafs, even at this point already. 77 goals in his last 100 games. That's bananas. So let's get to a little trade deadline talk. It's the Daily Faceoff show. I feel like it's a daily deadline segment that we have on the program. And Scott, one of the big things that's been a topic of conversation, it's like Barkley Goodrow and uh, Blake Coleman have become part of the NHL's lexicon now. Uh, I have a story that's going up on dailyfaceoff.com later today, and it highlights five guys who are candidates to be this year's version of Goodrow and Coleman. And the thing is, it's not necessarily in terms of stylistic fit. Like think back to uh, you know the identity that they provided for that team, the heavy sort of third line minutes that they played it's not necessarily about that it's about finding value out there particularly with some younger players who are under contract or under team control that don't make a lot that teams that are stanley cup contenders can plug into their group and so we'll throw the five names up there that i have arturi lekinen from montreal brandon hagel in chicago alexander texier in Columbus, Lawson Krause in Arizona, and a little bit of a surprise in Noah Gregor in San Jose. And, and so as I was mining the league, Scott, my goal was to try and find, you know, like you think back to those trades and everyone's saying, why would you give up? You know, I, I heard a, a quote relayed to me this week, which I thought was actually really kind of quite funny. A GM, someone was in one of the war rooms as the trade came across the TV, Blake Coleman for a first round pick. He said, trading a first round pick for that guy is how you get fired. And well, that GM that said it no longer works in the NHL at this point, but they found a way to find value where like New Jersey and Tampa seemingly were the only two teams that valued that player league wide. Similarly, in this case, maybe that's the situation that exists with these five players. Yeah, no, I, and I think it's a great exercise to go through. And, and I agree with you totally, Frank, that when we talk about Blake Coleman and Barkley Goudreau, and, you know, there's a reason that the Rangers paid the price for Goudreau to bring him into their fold because he represents the exact kind of player that they feel can catapult them beyond where they were. A guy who can win, a guy who can do all kinds of things up and down the lineup. It really is kind of a jack-of-all-trades um, 
situation and, and they're hard to find, right? And sometimes you have to pay a premium, even though they may not have the profile of a Claude Giroux or a John Klingberg or any of the straight up rentals that we might be talking about between now and March 21st. So I want to know of those guys. And I, the one I'm curious about is Texier, um, you know, having watched Columbus pretty closely over the last two or three years, I, I just think he is the perfect fit because he does so much of your five guys. Who do you like the most? To, to have that kind of Coleman or Goodrow impact? I think for me, it's Hagel because he's shown some of the production that I think you're hoping to get if you're a playoff team. If you're going to plug a player into a bunch of different situations, you know, he can play on the power play if you need him to. He can score at even strength. Uh, so he's done a lot of that and he's got that compete, that sort of work ethic, that work level that, that you need. Um, Arturi Lekkinen is a guy that's also really interesting. I think teams look at him and they say, this guy does every single part of the game well, plays so well defensively. Like they, they just wish he could figure out the offensive production end of it. And sometimes that's hard to do. Um, was there anyone that jumped out for you that you, know, thought, you thought might be a little bit of a fit in that category? Yeah, you took all the good guys. So, uh, you know, but no, and, and just given the parameters, I mean, I'm just curious about a guy like Derek Grant. He's a little bit older. He's 31, still has a year left on his deal at um, $1.5 million. And the Ducks, of course, are still right in it. But Pat Verbeek has some decisions to make up and down that lineup. And for me, Derek Grant is one of those guys, again, kills penalties. He can play center or the wing if you want him to. He's Guys love him. Um, so I, I, I just wonder if, if if Anaheim continues to slide a little bit out of the picture, is he the kind of guy that some other teams will come to and say, I, I might pay a little bit more because he's got term and because he can do all of those things? Yeah, it was just funny. The knock against Derek Grant is not really a knock at all. It's just that teams he's played on a number of different teams now he can't score for anyone but Anaheim it seems so it's like a guy that's tailor-made for a certain market or maybe even a certain coach I guess um, I wanted to shine a little bit of light again on the Nathan McKinnon incident the slash that he had on linesman Michelle Cormier earlier this week in Boston and I wanted to talk about it because both you and I in our travels around the league and different people that we're talking to uh, there seems to be some disappointment expressed among the rank and file of the NHL Officials Association in that the NHL was not harder on Nathan McKinnon in this case. And in fact, that they acknowledged in their statement, which was really kind of confusing, that Nathan McKinnon did, in fact, slash Michelle Cormier and that nothing came of it. And in this case, the NHL consulted with Michelle Cormier and the other officials on the ice. There was no post-game report. That's always, if you look back, historically a big factor in terms of determining discipline. But there are people that would have liked to see the NHL have the officials' backs more than they did. Yeah, there's no no question that there are people uh, in the, you know, rank and file is a great way to put it, but certainly other on-ice officials who are not happy with how this played out. And, and the NHL was very clear in its statement that the NHL Officials Association was on board. They all agreed that even though there was contact made with an on-ice official, the fact that Nathan McKinnon apparently really wanted to slash Thomas Nosek um, was enough of a reason not to hand down discipline. And I, I love the fact that you can call up the video of Antoine Vermette in 2017 when he was with the Anaheim Ducks slashing an official 
in a very light manner, if you can do a light slash, um, but got 10 games. One of the cleanest players in the NHL was frustrated, gave the uh, on-ice official a, a slash, very, very similar to what we saw from Nathan McKinnon. 10 games for Vermette, an absolute pass for Nathan McKinnon. Um, if I'm an on-ice official, I look at those two and I, I wonder why. What What is the... Why is there a push to ignore something that was so obvious? Nosek's not, he's not even looking at Nosek, right? He's looking at Cormier directly when that contact is made. So the whole narrative to me makes no sense. And it makes no sense to me other than this is a superstar player for one, if not the best team in the NHL, one of the best teams in the NHL, we're going to give him a pass. I don't understand it. And even if it wasn't, I, I just, to me, it was an automatic, here's the precedent, 10 games for Nathan McKinnon, let's move on. And now, what happens next time? That's the problem for me. What happens next time somebody who is maybe less important loses their cool a bit? What if that's Brad Marchand when he does that? Uh, I don't think he gets the McKinnon treatment. Yeah, I don't think he plays again this season. That's the answer, if it was yeah. Brad Marchand. Um, I, I can't help but add all the things up that you said. Star player on maybe the best team in the league. And it's also the situation. Down 5-1 in the third period. You just got bull rushed in the face-off dot. You're angry. Yeah. And this is a guy in Nathan McKinnon that has shown himself the ability to lose his cool on multiple occasions. This is someone that lost their temper, that should be in control of their stick at all times. And yet, for whatever reason, perhaps because Michelle Cormier doesn't file a post-game report or doesn't necessarily want to be involved, that we end up in a situation where Nathan McKinnon doesn't end up getting suspended for something that he probably should have been. So I just think it's important to set for the record that there are, uh, as, as your reporting has come across and mine as well, uh, officials in the rank and file of the NHLOA that were not happy and felt like more should have been done. So uh, glad to get that out there as well. Uh, let's bring in Chris Peters now for another edition of The Next Wave. All right, pleased to bring in Chris Peters for another edition of The Next Wave delivered by DoorDash. Scott, you, uh, you've been watching the, the Michigan guys were at the Olympics and they're all now coming back to the University of Michigan. But while they were gone, one guy in particular caught your eye that you wanted to ask Chris about? Well, I know it because I was reading Chris's stuff. So I, this is how I know that <laughs> Luke Hughes is absolutely on fire. And, and I'm just curious, Chris, you know, I was looking at the Devils, the defensive depth, and I know it's, it hasn't gone the way they wanted to go this year. They're not a playoff team. But I have to – I really do like some of the pieces that Tom Fitzgerald has assembled there. And I'm wondering how you feel that Luke Hughes fits in with a group that I think has the potential in fairly short order, um, you know, to make this a playoff team in New Jersey. Do you think he's – how close is he and how does he fit in? Yeah, well, he's he's a really interesting prospect. I mean, the ceiling on Luke Hughes and what he's doing this season uh, is is really blowing expectations out of the water. I mean, he's obviously a high pick, fourth overall. He's a, he's got a lot of respect to, around the the scouting world just because of how well he played last season. But this year, he set the Michigan goal scoring record, sixteen goals uh, by a freshman defenseman. It had stood for forty five years previously. 
He's already surpassed the point total that Quinn Hughes had. He's a point one of the leading scorer among defensemen in college hockey, the top goal scorer among freshmen. Um, so, I mean, he has really been flying off the charts. And so in terms of what this means for his projection, now, when I talked to Luke Hughes in the summer, he had said that he thought he was probably going to stay at Michigan for two years. Even though he's playing really well this year, I think that's still the case because you look at Quinn Hughes, Kale McCarr, Adam Fox, they all stayed an extra year. So that is something to, to consider. The other thing, though, is that Luke Hughes' season this year is better than most of those players, except for Adam Fox, who had an exceptional freshman season at Harvard. And at the age that he's at, the fact that he's actually, you know, he was born just five days prior to the to the draft cutoff or six days prior to the draft cutoff. So he's one of the youngest players in college hockey on top of all of this. So he's been really incredible in that regard. I still would pump the brakes a little bit on saying, let's go next year because we've seen how much success those guys have had with that extra year of college. But the, he has definitely pushed his expectations in a much more favorable direction. I mean, when you think back to Kale McCarr, his freshman season, he came into college a, a little bit as a late, you know, late birth date in his draft year. So he's about a year older than, than Luke Hughes was at the same point. Luke Hughes is having a better freshman season than Kale McCarr, who would go on to win the Hobie Baker and make an impact in the playoffs the following season. So pretty impressive stuff from Luke Hughes so far. Chris, I hate to ask a redraft question, you know, just not even uh, eight months after the draft. But when you look at, at Luke Hughes and the season that he's had, a lot of people looked at him going number four and said, well, he's going there because of the bloodlines that, you know, they see something in him. Uh, they want to get him in the same organization as his brother. Maybe it was a little bit of a reach. Why did he end up going where he did? And what do you think has enabled him to get to the next level in terms of his play this quickly? Yeah, I, I think that there's a huge belief in his skill set and the fact that, you know, he he's the tallest Hughes brother, too, at six foot two. So, you know, he defends well. He's got some physicality to him. He's getting stronger. But really, it's that that puck moving element, his skating ability. He scored an insane goal uh, where he took the puck end to end, danced the defenseman, then danced the goalie. Um, you know, and that's something that he's done. The other thing that he's that I've seen him really improve upon this year is his ability to, to to create offense from the offensive blue line. He walks the line really well. He creates space for himself. He gets in close. And I think the reason that the that the the Devils really liked him. I mean, they they it wasn't just because of Jack. I'm sure that helps, and it maybe it it colors your you know bias a little bit. But at the same time, he was one of the youngest players in the draft. He was one of the most exceptionally skilled defensemen. And all he's done in the year since is prove them right for taking him because he's even in, in some cases, you know, you, you lose Owen power for the Olympics and all those other things. And then you are able to replace him with Luke Hughes as your number one defenseman. And he is almost better. Um, that's kind of the crazy thing that I've, I've noticed this year. So I think the sky is the limit for him and the upside still very high. Wanted to ask and, about Wyatt Johnson taken uh, 23rd sure. overall by the Dallas stars. He's someone that's, his stock has really been on the rise this year in the OHL. What are you seeing with him? Yeah, exceptional season so far for Wyatt Johnson. You see the point totals there. He's going to probably be over 120 points, which, you know, you look at the guys that have done that over the last 10 seasons in the OHL, and it's, you know, Dylan Strom and, and Connor McDavid and um, Marco Rossi and all those other, you know, really talented offensive players. But the reason that I wanted to highlight Wyatt Johnson is he is a tremendous example of a player that didn't play anywhere last year that has basically taken his game to an entirely different level. And you have to give a lot of credit to him. When I ranked players for last draft, Wyatt Johnson was 52nd on my board. The Dallas Stars took him in the late first round. 
And it was actually, I, you know, now that I look back and you look in, at his numbers from his U16 or U17 season, the OHL, that's basically what they were basing that pick off of. The upside that he showed as a, as a young player took that year off. He played for Canada at the under 18 Worlds last year, but he was essentially in a bottom six role. Didn't get the minutes as some of the other guys. And the, there were guys like Mason McTavish, Connor Bedard, Shane Wright there. And so he was kind of behind that group. But what he's shown this season is the skill level is incredibly high. He's got a goal scoring ability. He's got good vision. He's making a lot of plays. And he's been a, a leader for a Windsor team that is just starting to, to, to find its game once again as, as, as one of the top organizations in the OHL. And so to see what Wyan Johnson has done this year, it's just absolutely remarkable. Cool. Chris, before we let you go, uh, the 2023 World Junior Championships uh, slated to be held in Russia. Of course, uh, with the invasion of the Ukraine, we've already seen major sporting events being pulled from Russia. How soon or what do you think the response will be from the IIHF? And, and maybe how quickly something could or should be coming from them about that tournament? Yeah, well, we're not entirely sure. One thing that if I know anything about the IIHF is it's going to take a little bit more. I mean, they had to be drag kicking and screaming from removing the world championship from Belarus, despite numerous calls for them to do that. And it, they did it kind of at the last minute, eventually moving it completely to Latvia last year, where it was supposed to be co-hosted in Belarus. So there's always been a very close relationship with the IIHF and Russia. You know, Rene Fazel, who is the president uh, is now working in the KHL. He's no, no longer with the IIHF. The current president, Luke Tardif. Uh, a lot of the comments that we end up hearing from him come through Russian state media for some reason. So, you know, that he has said that they will meet next week. The executive council of the IIHF is going to meet next week. The International Olympic Committee today announced that they, they are urging all of their member organizations, of which the IIHF would be considered, to remove any and all events from Russia for the foreseeable future as a consequence of this. And then also to not allow Russia to compete under the Russian flag at their events. So there are a lot of other things that are kind of going on in the background. But I do think that we will have some clarity within the next few weeks. The IIHF is going to continue to be pressured very publicly. Um, but that 2023 World Juniors, it seems kind of far away, but it's within this year. There's a lot of planning and things. And I, I, I assume that at some point that will get moved, but it is going to be very slow. And uh, un unless the IIHF surprises me, certainly a possibility, but this is something to watch because the rest of the sporting world is reacting. Champions League is out of there. F1 just moved to race. Their, their Russian Grand Prix, Grand Prix will not happen this year. Um, teams are moving, losing sponsorships. Jokeri from in Finland in the KHL will not play in the playoffs. So they are one of the top teams in the KHL this year. They are canceling the remainder of their season uh, based on, you know, a lot of public pressure. So I think that we're going to see uh, some movement here soon. And I'll, I'll be interested to see what 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 ultimately they decide. But still a long way to go before we get to that final decision. Significant statement from Joker at Chris, as you mentioned, and the World Juniors, see, as you said, seems far away. Ten months to the day that everyone is scheduled to convene at the moment in Novosibirsk and Omsk in Russia for the 2023 World Junior Hockey Championship. Thanks to Chris. This has been another edition of The Next Wave delivered by DoorDash. You can see the promo codes at the bottom of your screen. If you're in Canada, D-F-O-D-D, -D, or if you're in the U.S., D-F-O-D-D-U-S. That gets you 25% off and free delivery on your first order with DoorDash. You're all your favorites and more delivered right to your door by DoorDash.
All right, Scott, it's time for our daily face-off show inbox question of the day. Hit us up on Twitter, hashtag AskDFO. We'd be happy to take your questions. And this one comes from a game last night. We talked about the Blue Jackets and Panthers earlier, but Cole Sillinger, one of the Columbus Blue Jackets young guns, uh, he gets absolutely rocked by Sam Bennett with a hit as he was trying to gather the puck for an empty net goal. So my question to you, this also came with about four minutes left in a game that was pretty well decided already. Unnecessary, clean, dirty. Where do you come out on this hit? Yeah, (laughs) boy, that's a big one. Uh, I would say it falls to me on the unnecessary side of things. But to me, the the, the most uh, illuminating part of this is that head coach Brad Larson of the Columbus Blue Jackets said after the game, with all due respect, this is a teachable moment for Cole Sillinger. And the reminder is play to the end. The game's still going on. He put himself in a vulnerable position. Um, and and I, I like the idea that Brad Larson basically um, said, this is, this is a hockey hit. It was hard and maybe uncomfortable for people to watch, but he didn't believe it was rose to the uh, standard of a supplemental discipline or whatever. You know what I like about it? There wasn't a fight after. I'm so sick of every time there is a hit clean or, you know, that someone has to fight after they produce a clean, legitimate hit. To me, if I was the commissioner of the NHL, and I rarely pretend to be, but that would be automatic game suspension, automatic hearing. If you chase down a player and and make him fight after he's delivered a clean hit, to me, it's one of the worst parts of the game. And I was pleased to see Brad Larson's response to that hit. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with you. I I mean, I felt like... You know, it was maybe a little bit unnecessary. I get the idea of sending a message. It, it just felt like you could tell he was lining him up to try and get him. And that hit was like, it sounded like a car crash if you listen to the audio of it. And like a car crash, sometimes it's just hard to look away, which is why it got our attention. Um, yeah. I don't know. I come out on the unnecessary end. I'm always concerned about players and, and head hits. And I'm like, do we really need a, a jarring hit like that in that instance but i guess you know as to your point it was clean it was within the rules and certainly within the boundaries of the game so uh speaking of car crash what about uh tyler uremchuk and his bets last night how did he do it's our daily face-off daily bet segment tyler was it a car crash? The, the sport of hockey is very unpredictable right now. It's been a rough week for me in terms of internet connection it's been a rough week for me in terms of my picks as well but on both fronts, we'll look to head into the weekend on a high note. I got three plays tonight, courtesy of our friends over at Points Bets. And let's jump right into it. Right here, the two biggest favorites on the slate are the Carolina Hurricanes and the St. Louis Blues. I like them both. I've done this a few times and it's usually paid off. I'm parlaying them in regulation. Putting these two together pays out plus 130. And I just think both these teams are in great spots to win. Both on home ice, you got Carolina, three-game winning streak, 6-2-2 in their last 10. You got St. Louis, two-game winning streak, 6-3-1 in their last 10. We're getting Freddie Anderson and Ville Husso, which are the two goalies I wanted to see start tonight. For Carolina, they're taking on a Columbus team that, yes, they're playing fantastic, but they're going back to JF Berube on back-to-back nights. We know that it's not a good idea to start goalies on back-to-back nights. Columbus just really doesn't have much of a choice, I think. Barube's little Cinderella run here that he's been on, which has cost me a lot of money. I think it comes to an end tonight. I think Carolina wins in regulation. I think St. Louis beats Buffalo. It's a Sabres team who couldn't beat the Habs earlier in the week. Carolina, St. Louis, regulation parlay at plus 130 is my first play. 
Up next, I'm going to Vegas tonight. They are taking Arizona. It is Friday. The sun is shining in Edmonton, and it is a beautiful day to make some money off the Arizona Coyotes. I love that the puck line here is paying almost even money. Vegas hasn't been great in the month of February. They're 3-2-1, and one, but they covered the puck line in each of those games. They're getting a chance to go up against Carol Vamelka, who's been up and down so far this year. Right now, he's kind of down. He's allowed 20 goals against in his last five starts. So I like Vegas on the puck line. Wrapping it up with a Jack Eichel assist at minus 120. He's hit this in two out of the, his last three games or two of his three games so far this year with the Golden Knights. Star players, you usually don't see them at this minus 120 mark. So I like taking Eichel to pick up an assist tonight as Vegas hopefully rolls over the Arizona Coyotes, Frank. Interesting to tempt fate with the Columbus Blue Jackets. They're on a roll, four in a row. We've talked about them three times on the show already to this point. I don't know. Parlay, we'll see how it works out for you. That is Tyler Uremchuk with his daily bet segment. That brings us to garbage time with Scott Burnside. And maybe a little bit cheesy to say this, but you think the Edmonton Oilers and their goaltending has been garbage. <laughs> well, not alone in that. I think everyone agrees that is there a more tired storyline this year as we approach the trade deadline than the Edmonton Oilers goaltending woes? I mean, come on. It's been it's months in the making. And here is what I my point now is Ken Holland has waited too long. There is no magic goalie fix on the trade deadline. No one is coming in before March 21st to save this team from its own goaltending issues. It That ship is sailed. It's sailed, it's sailed in the offseason. Should have been addressed months ago. It wasn't. So here, why not this? The Oilers are going to be life and death to make the playoffs as it stands now. They're not a team that's constructed to beat the better teams in the Western Conference. Turn the job over to Stuart Skinner. You have to find out at some point. He's 23 years old. He's got another year left before he becomes an RFA. Find out what you have in Stuart Skinner. Last time he played, he got a shadow. He's not even on the roster anymore. It's, it, uh, to me, it boggles the mind. Give the kid the keys to the oiler machine. See what happens. And make that your goaltending move instead of this three-man rotation that it has yielded so little for this oiler team. Give Stuart Skinner the keys. Let's see what happens. Maybe he goes on a Ken Dryden-like run, and, and we're having a different discussion come April, May, and June. But why not find out now? Because the answer isn't anywhere else between now and the trade deadline for the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, I see your point totally. I guess my question is, what happens if Stuart Skinner doesn't work either? Then what? How do you really gamble another year of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl in their absolute primes putting up unbelievable point totals with that in net like i just you you need more than that it, it's I, i'm my you know you talk about boggling the mind my mind is blown that it's gotten to this point uh mike smith eight goals against on his last 29 shots faced uh still hard to believe hard to imagine you know it feels like it's always something with the edmonton oilers you know they've got all the talent uh certainly up front but it feels like the supporting pieces just they can't find a way to make their way to Alberta's capital. So that'll do it for today's Daily Faceoff show. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news, insight, and analysis from around the NHL. Scott, it's been fun. Thanks to Scott and thanks to Chris Peters as well. Have yourself a great weekend, everyone. We'll talk to you on Monday. Thanks for watching the Daily Faceoff show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. 
hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. All right, hockey fans, listen up, because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Face-Off Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.